it's like you were floating through the moon. You know, like it's like like going through a crater on the moon or something because you're just looking at the rock formations, the colors, the blue, the hues of the blue. So you've got these amazing gradients of blue going up as the depths change. And and then towards the end, like there's the algae. So there's these bright, bright greens. Welcome to Experiences You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. I'm your host, Gail Manasco, and today we are talking about a variety of topics, including diving Silfra in Iceland with the beautiful Emma Lovell from Lovely Travels Podcast. Uh, I, I just did want to take note that we are in a really crazy time in history right now. We have a the coronavirus, a global pandemic. Uh, we're also right in the middle of the Black Lives Matter movement. And I just wanted to take a moment and, and state that, yes, Black Lives Matter. We are here. We are listening uh, we are we are in an insane time right now, but we are listening. We support you, and we support you peacefully. And Emma and I both talk about in the podcast like we have experienced white privilege, and and I and I am a white woman, and and I I do know that it's helped me get ahead in some things, and. I can only hope that everyone is treated the same and and I can only hope and express the hope for equality in the world and and I know that racial bias exists and and I wish it didn't so I know this is a heavy topic but I I did want to state this uh, to my listeners, that I am here and I am listening. Um, with that said, we're going to change topics here. And we are going, we're going to go to Iceland today. You know, I feel like with so much going on that maybe you just want to escape to another planet. And while you might not be able to go to the International Space Station right now. You can escape underwater. And we're talking about a very peaceful experience today. Uh, we're talking about diving the Silfra fissure in Iceland between two continental plates. And we're here with Emma Lovell. And she has a brand new podcast, Lovely Travels Podcast, and she has a mission to visit every UN-recognized country in the world, and I believe by the time she's 40. So I know there's a lot going on in the world. I really hope she can complete that goal. Um, but let's, uh, let's get on with the interview with Emma and, and talk about Iceland and Black Lives Matter. Welcome, Emma, to the podcast. This is so exciting to have you. Thank you so much, Gail. I'm very honored to be a guest. 
yes, from Lovely Travels. And you just launched the Lovely Travels podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about your podcast? Yeah, for sure. It's um, it's been a bit of an evolution. I've been um, I've had a blog for eleven years, and then um, yeah, I, I my name is Lovely because I'm lovely by name, lovely by nature. But actually, my surname is Lovell, so I added the Y. Uh, because I'm in branding, but um, yes, <laughs> so, <laughs> so people call yeah. me lovely, and uh, it's really good when I'm traveling actually because I say, just call me lovely, and uh, they remember. So, um, yeah, I sort of went, ah, oh, you know, I'll, I started an Instagram specifically for the travels because I decided on a mission to visit every UN recognized country in the world, so that's 195 countries. Um, I only decided on that mission in July 2019 and sort of went, oh, well, yeah, lovely travels, that makes sense, and I made my Instagram, and then my friend and I were, as part of the mission, went to try to do, we were going to do seven countries in, like, four days, which would have been really quite tiring, but we were in mm-hmm. Europe, so it's kind of possible, <laughs> you know, they're right. very, some of them are very close together, so, but we ended up adjusting it, and we did um, four countries in four days and um on that trip we were like let's listen to podcasts that's a great thing to do in the car you bring some podcasts I'll bring some podcasts and while we were chatting in the car we thought we could we could do this we could uh we could have a podcast and be podcast hosts and I said it's you know it was a funny little haha that was like no that's actually a really good idea and it would be a great way to support the mission and um to share the stories and I love the conversational format. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted people to feel like they were jumping in the car with us or on the on the road with us and coming on the on the journey. So, yeah, and we launched in May. Oh, wow, wow. So welcome to the <laughs> podcasting land. And listeners out there, please subscribe to Lovely Travels Podcast. Thank you. <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's uh it's a journey and yeah. it's a journey um <laughs> and and what an interesting time I mean you made this goal to yeah. visit all these countries in 2019 mm-hmm. and now we're in 2020 and 2020 is pretty it's pretty crazy right yeah now. It, it's absolutely crazy and um I mean, and right now, I mean, yes, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Um, and I'm not sure how it is in Australia but right now, but here in the United States, we're, we're in a crazy time of, of Black Lives Matter. And yes, Black Lives Matter. And, and I, I know we're, we're going to be talking about diving in between two continental plates later, but I did want to address this and... I, I think what happened with the death was wrong. I mean, I do think it's wrong and I do think racism exists and I am not for it in any bit. And I do think that people should be angry right now. It's, it's hard to speak eloquently about this, but mm. but we've had these giant protests go on and I completely understand. I completely understand. and And they've turned into... Um, big rides here in the States. Has that happened in Australia? No, no, it hasn't reached here, but it has addressed an issue that we have as well because we have our own troubles and I think some people are a bit angry because they're like, you're all getting upset about 
Black Lives Matter in the US and, and saying how unfair it is and how terrible it is and uh, raising your voices, but people don't necessarily raise their voices for the black lives in Australia because we have the Indigenous population, our Indigenous Australians, uh-huh. and there are very high numbers of people, um, Indigenous, like sort of the percentages, unfair percentages of people incarcerated, and then the deaths like in prison are very high as well. So I think they, the statistic I saw the other day or, or the number I saw was 400 deaths since 2009 in prison of black Mm -hmm. lives here and they're like where was your voice then sort of thing so there's a little bit of anger around that and so I think trying to the message that people are trying to add to it is all black lives matter and it's an issue across all countries I think we can agree that white privilege exists I 100% have experienced it um, myself being in places and being put first because I'm white and I'm like no this, you know, like being in India right. and being like, they're like, oh, no, madam, you know, you can basically, I could do what I want. And I'm like, no, you know, that's right. Not, right. Not, why, why do I get to do that? I'm not, you know, it's, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I honestly, I have mm-hmm. felt safe. Like I was in Kenya and I, I honestly felt fine and safe because I was like, I stand out. No one, while I'm walking around, no one's going to let something happen to me. I really felt that. And it's true. I felt it was true. So I've seen it in action and I don't agree with it. I think all lives are precious. And, um, yeah, I I can't believe it's just such a surreal thing to see that one day, you know, and I have quite a few friends across the U.S. to see that one day people are wearing, you know, staying in their homes and trying to avoid each other. And, you know, New York City's like, I am robot, (laughs) like empty. And then the next day they're burning cars in the streets and you're like, you know, guys, there's a pandemic on, um, you know, and we have to speak up, but I don't know about running around the streets together. That's right. Right. I, and I know this is, is a bit off topic right now. Um, Oh, but it's very much the topic in the world and for right. any travel person, you know, <laughs> right, and right. the future and- of travel, you're like, you know, I want to come back to the States. My cousin lives in Illinois and I love coming over, but you're like, is it okay for me to get there? How am I going to, you know, can mm-hmm. I be safe there? You know, that's real questions. Yeah. And especially even having these goals of, of visiting all of these different countries, how, how do you think what's going on today is going to affect your future travel? Oh, I just, I think that honestly, like, um, I sort of go in with an attitude of compassion and, um, learning and openness and understanding I've very very rarely felt scared in places I'm aware of um you know that I'm different and that things are done differently and things like that but um Mm -hmm. I I tend to a lot of the places I've been I've tended to know someone there or have made a contact or something so I that's a really nice way to go in but Mm -hmm. I believe in the best in people and um you know I went to Uganda when Ebola was on, <clears throat> Ebola uh-huh. was happening. But I mean, Africa's a big continent. And it's like I drew right. this example of Australia or the US, you know, like when something's happening on one side of the country, for it to travel to the other side of the country, especially in Africa, where there isn't as much plane travel and, and things like that. Right. Like right. there was more chance of Ebola being in other countries around the world than it was of being in, in the opposite side of Africa. You know, and I had people mm-hmm. at the highest security levels I was there with a not-for-profit. 
So I was Mm -hmm. like, surely they're not going to let me walk into this. And I was like, you can't, you can't let fear prevail, you know? So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, the work to go and see Uganda, to go and see their work, to go and learn about what they were doing was to me more important. Um, And I was not worried at all. I was there. I didn't, you know, I felt comfortable and, you know, you have to be like we were told we had security briefings and all that sort of stuff, but you know, so I will come back to the US, but I just think it's, um, yeah, I, I mean, look, I'm fortunate to have ticked it off, so maybe it's not the biggest right. rush, but, right. I, I, but I love visiting people there. I love visiting my cousin, and it's just like, okay, well, what does that look like, you know? Um, uh-huh. Are people going to be safe in terms of the illness, um, pandemic side of things, and are people going to be safe in terms of, I don't know, treating each other mm-hmm. right? Right, right. It's a, um, yeah, it's a, it's a different world out there. Yeah. Uh, do you, I'm just curious in the travel industry, do you think that people will need to show like proof of a vaccine to travel to other countries? Or do you think, how do you foresee the future of travel, mm. you know, as it relates to the pandemic? Oh, I mean, look, there is no vaccine and I think there's not going to be one for 12 months to 18 months. So, I mean, that's mm-hmm. going to be tricky. I, I, each country is dealing with it so differently. And, you know, if, even for an example, I want to, wanted to go to the UK, uh, to England in October. My grandmother was turning nine, 90 um, and I thought I thought that was off the cards. But my, my auntie flew from Australia. She got stuck in Australia during the pandemic. She flew back two weeks ago into the UK and it currently there's no forced quarantine you know she was yeah they opted to they went home straight home and they've quarantined themselves and got like groceries delivered and all that stuff but there's Mm. no forced quarantine and they're still having 300 deaths a day you know whereas we had just over 100 deaths absolute max in Australia Uh and our borders are still locked you know and if you fly in now you would have to be quarantined in a hotel two weeks uh-huh. you know so it's it depends like I think looking at that the people will be like well I don't want to go to the UK and the same with you know unfortunately the US it's like well if you're not going to put in measures to protect us you're not you're not going to be high on my list of places to visit so mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the way that countries communicate the, the, the things that they're still doing and um, communicate their rules I guess that that will encourage people to go places but it's just um I mean they're saying two to three years for it to get back to anywhere near what it was right um and even then you know I think it's been a bit of a wake-up call that the scale and the rate at which we were traveling was intense you know so perhaps road trips and um other types of travel will you know maybe there'll be a bit more of exploring your backyard or a places by road for a while certainly that's what they're encouraging in Australia right they're encouraging the same here in the United States and um and Peter Greenberg which is talking about uh the prevalence of of upcoming road trips and Mm -hmm. doing RV and visiting national parks and then that sort of thing yeah Um, but you know something I think is really interesting is that over the next few years as um as hopefully the, the pandemic slows down, this is now time that you could be working on um, certifications. 
to mm-hmm. maybe go to go do those really cool things out somewhere. You know, this is a time when you can be doing the the bookwork or um, laying down the groundwork to to be more experienced, and you can work on that locally. Um, as you can see, I am leading into our diving episode here. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and today we're going to be talking about diving in between two continental plates in Silfra, Iceland. Yeah. And I have I've not done this. Uh, I do have a dry suit certification. This is on my bucket list. Um, a really close girlfriend of mine has done this and loved it. And you have done this experience. I think it's the only place you can dive in between two continental plates, correct? Yeah. 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 And it's uh, the clearest water in the world. So it's pretty, pretty special, pretty unique. Um, Do, do recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, can, can you describe the experience and where are these tectonic plates in Iceland? Sure. Um, well, look, I'll, I'll probably give a little story about how it came about. We were actually going on a big round-the-world tour, my husband, now husband and I, we were partners at the time, and we had two weddings. One was in the U.S., one was in the U.K., mm-hmm. so they were about four weeks apart. So obviously, logically, you've got to do a big trip. We wouldn't do two small trips. Why not just do a big trip? So Correct. we did, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why would you waste your time? So we did seven weeks and we did eight countries in that time. And um, actually exactly at this time, so it was two years ago, uh, we, we flew into Iceland on I think June 1st or 2nd in 2018. And, yeah, my husband is a diver for work. So he's a marine biologist and a diver and he currently works at SeaWorld on the Gold Coast in Australia. So he dives for work like all the time. But... And so there's times where I would like to go diving for fun and, you know, go around the area, but, you know, he kind of doesn't really want to on his days off. So we save diving now for trips, you know, and try and include it as part of one of our our trips. And so when we were going to that part of the world, Iceland was definitely on the list anyway to go and see. But, yeah, when we heard it, he'd heard about Silphara, and it is definitely a bucket list I think one of the top ten dives or something for divers around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, well, we gotta we gotta include that. So, um, and it was around the time of his thirtieth, so that was his thirtieth present from his parents. And uh, yeah, we were like, let's do it. So, um, I got him to do the research because I was like, it's your thing, you know. And I was planning a seven week <laughs> trip. I'm like, it's your jam. You got to do it. Um, so we had to do a dive, a dry suit course first. Um, okay. Um, neither of us were dry suit certified. Now we could have done it there. There is definitely the option to do it when you get there, but we had like four days. So to do it, you know, the day before would have been quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Also, you're doing a dry suit course in this freezing water, and then the next day you got to go and be in the freezing water again. Um, I don't know if that would have gone down too well with me. <laughs> so just how cold is the water? Like, well, and I'm going to do Celsius, so you might have to do the translation okay. for me. Um, it's two degrees Celsius. 
this. All right, we are looking up the uh, <laughs> the translation. That's thirty five degrees Fahrenheit. That mm. is ha, ha, so close cold. to zero. Yeah, which I think is the same yeah. for both of us. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's cold. Yeah, so uh, pretty much freezing um, is what it is. And and that was summer, by the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have you ever done any kind of cold water diving before this? No, I was funny. It's funny, actually. I was listening to your um, black water diving, which is fun. I listened to that episode. Yeah. And oh, um, it reminded me that I went black water rafting. In, oh, um, yes. Yeah, in New Zealand. And, we have an episode on that. Oh, there you go. I'll have to go listen. Yeah. Reminisce. Yeah. But that was, go check it out. that was pretty cold. And the thing about when you do very cold water sport things, is that whatever meal or drink you have afterwards is the best meal or drink you've ever had in your life. <laughs> it was tomato soup and a bagel. And even the other night I was talking to my husband about it. I was like, oh, my gosh, we're having bagels. I was like, but the best bagel ever was after blackwater rafting because <laughs> it's just so cold. Uh, I mean, and you're loving it while you're doing it. But, you know, yeah, it's, right. you just kind of got to do it, don't you? Um, so you are dressed appropriately and, um, we, yeah, we did the dry suit course actually in Sydney, in Sydney, Australia. So, um, it was nice smart. to do. Yeah, it was smart. <laughs> but Very it was, smart. <laughs> it was really nice to do a course together too, because, you know, like he's been diving since he was 16. So to do something where he was learning too, and obviously he picked up the skills quite quickly, um, but I've got, I've got good buoyancy. So that was quite good. Apparently I've got, yeah. I'm quite good at getting that. So that was good, but it was, yeah, it was really nice. We did it. Did we do it over two days? Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> it, was, it felt like a long time, but it was, it was good. The guy was really helpful too and lovely and that, that we did the course with. And, um, it was nice. To, it was nice in a way to separate those two experiences as well. I think mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. who doesn't dive as much. <laughs> How many dives did you have approximately before you decided to dive Silfra? Or uh, <laughs> this is the funny thing, right? Like um, I've been diving for five years now. Um, uh-huh. And at the time I had done about 14 dives. And okay. two of those were in Dos Ojos in um, Mexico. So in Cisnotis. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. Two of them were dry suit dives. <laughs> And then my next two dives were in Silfra. And, like, my husband's like, because I'm like, we don't dive enough and we should dive more. And he's like, yeah, but when you do dive, they're the best dives in the world. Like, you know, so I, I'm quality over quantity with my diving. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So listeners out there, you can go to plan to do this dive and go get a little bit of experience. And you got some time to do it, you know, before. Yeah, you don't need 100 dives, no way. You need, look, um, yeah, I had about 15 dives. I'm very fortunate to have a very, very excellent dive buddy. But, no, it's a it's a pretty straightforward dive. Like, it's not technical. The most yeah. technical part of it is the dry suit. But right. that's, in a way, maybe that's a pro for me because I haven't been diving as much. I'm still new to it, so it doesn't feel super weird. For like some divers mm. who've been diving a long time, putting the dry suit on is very strange because you're learning all these new skills. But I'm mm-hmm. kind of refreshing my skills every time I do it, anyway. So, 
I always find going down the, the weirdest. And when we were going down in Silfra, they had to do like a a buoyancy check and um, just, you know, the way you do the dry suit going down is a little bit different. And um, he'd sort of said a few things. So you've got all these things in your mind, like do this, don't do that, do this. And I just had this thing like, oh, my God, I'm not going to do it right and my buoyancy is not going to be good and he's going to tell me I can't do it and then we've come all this way. So I'm just having this like freak out underneath the water while trying to focus on following his directions. And then I come up and he's like, okay. Damn it! <laughs> I mean, it, it's also like my face is freezing, and it feels like little needles are going into your cheeks. So there was a lot going on in that first, you know, minute of the dive. Right, right. Not to scare anybody. Just, just, just my own, just my own diving. Um, I mean, but this is a big deal. You're you're diving in extremely cold weather yeah. or the cold water mm-hmm. in between two tectonic plates in Iceland. I mean, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I can tell you that morning I was not feeling very good. I was quite nervous, <laughs> and uh, I'd had a well. Actually, sorry. The other reason I was feeling quite anxious about it was I'd had a cold. I actually got oh. sick. Yeah, I got sick in New York. And then we went on to Boston and then on to UK. <laughs> and even I remember the night before we flew out to Iceland, I was still just just talking was draining my throat. And so I just felt like that little bit snuffly still. And mm-hmm. fortunately, um, yeah, my husband Matt held out, but he ended up kind of getting sick after that, uh, feeling okay. quite coldy, fluey after. But, you know, you can't really have cold. You can't take yeah. anything for it right uh when you're going to do the dive and yeah so I was just nervous that that was going to impact me or you know and again we've you know it's quite a bit of money and also you know it's a big mission to get there it's not something you just go oh well we'll do it next weekend um Mm -hmm. so I just had that in my mind but and I don't really like to eat a lot before I went so we had like they like have some snacks and I was like (laughs) um (laughs) but you know I was I was really I was fine so that was yeah, they were very nice at making me feel comfortable. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're in Iceland, you're in a dry suit, you've now, you're descending down, you're feeling the cold on your face uh-huh. because your face isn't completely covered and parts of that is touching the water. What did you see? Uh, everything because you can, you can have up to whatever your eye visibility is, you can see that. So they say about 100 meters, which is oh, wow. kind, of, kind of annoying. <laughs> I'm so bad for the metric system. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, so basically you can just see everything. And um, the thing that the difference with Silfra is, and it's just funny, sometimes you read some of the reviews and people are like, well, I didn't really see many animals. And you're like, did you not get the memo before you went? <laughs> like <laughs> the animals don't really like it there either. You know, we saw a few little tiny fish. And we saw some like birds on the surface, which was cool because you could see their little feet paddling. But uh-huh. other than that, no, it, it's kind of the cool thing was it looked like it's like you were floating through the moon, you know, like mm-hmm. it was like like going through a crater on the moon or something because you're just looking at the rock formations, the colors, the blue, the hues of the blue. Um, so you've got these amazing gradients of blue going up as the as the depths change and. And then towards the end, like there's the algae. So there's these 
bright, bright greens. And so you get the blues and the greens and the brown of the rocks. And so that's the interesting part. And because it's so clear, you just, I know you are floating, you're in the water, but it feels like you're floating in air. Like you can't, there's nothing in front of you. It's, it was just so clear. Wow. Wow. I can only imagine being there. Um, And you know what? Sometimes right now I just want to flee earth and just want to go hop on that spaceship. But (laughs) here's another way to just get away from it all. And Oh yeah. Under um, the, under the water it's, it's, you know, and you know, it's so peaceful. It's mm -hmm. like, there's always that for me, that initial bit of yeah, getting in there and then, I think it's just like, it's like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm breathing. Yep. This is what we're doing. Okay. And then I'm in it. So right. it was really nice. And one of the great things as well was, um, you know, our, our tour guide, Ants, um, he's, oh, where was he from? Estonia. He was um, Estonian, but living there. And he uh-huh. took photos for us. So we didn't have to worry at all. My husband did have a GoPro, but but really didn't have to worry. And he took these photos and we have all these awesome photos now that he took of us. And he would just like hang upside down and take a photo of us or like <laughs> float around. And he's obviously just so second nature, but it was so lovely to have that. And we now have them blown up on our wall. We have three of them blown up. And yeah. so it's really nice to just always be able to go and look at those pictures. So cool. That is so cool. And we will be sharing those photos on social media and on experiences that you should have podcast. Um, So please go check out the show notes later. Let's talk a little bit about logistics Mm -hmm. of making this happen. Uh, so you mentioned that you need a dry suit certification. Yeah. Um, but before you get a dry suit certification, there's some other certifications you need. Can you elaborate? Oh yeah, you got to have an open water. So you got to have your basic open water as uh, to be able to do this course. Uh, to do this dive, it's only um, the dive is only to maximum 18 meters but really they probably only take you to 12 meters so you don't need an advanced so I had the open water and that was fine and then yeah the dry suit um that was that was all we needed I believe so which was great and then open water certification you've got some book work you need to do yeah yeah you've got pool work to do and and then you've got four checkout dives yeah so all of you who are at home, you could do the book work at home right now and you could find an instructor and go to a local lake or ocean if you're one of those lucky people that live next to the ocean and you could work on getting these certifications and planning a really cool trip um, when the world dies down a little bit. Yes. Uh, so what about the cost and also how many people were on this dive yeah that's that's a cool thing there were only um well we actually went in two groups so there were five of us there that day and um we only but five of us or seven of us 
I can remember five very clearly. <laughs> it okay. was, a, it was okay. a couple from New Zealand and then there was a guy who came with us, but they split us up. So um, there was only three with the one instructor. And then I think the others were two with the one instructor. So we had a lot of attention on us. And then we had, so we had two instructors and then an assistant. So she helped with us getting dressed. So we, we, and you know, there's quite a bit of time to pick you up and on the drive there that you talk. And then when you get there, they show you a map of the area. Um, they even took us to a little lookout first to show us where we we're going and then explained around the area because you're, you're going to Silfra National Park. Um, so they explained all of that. And for Game, Game of Thrones fans, there's um, the wall was from that national park. So I think people would know that. I don't watch it, so I don't know. I was like, oh, <laughs> great. Yes, I can I can picture it, but uh, cool. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it either. <laughs> but, yeah, it was really cool to see the area. And it's kind of all marshy grassland, it looks like. And so they're like, yeah, the salt, like, you know, it's over there. The fish is over there. We're going to go. And it's kind of, oh, okay. So you get dressed in this car park. There are little huts and stuff, but the lady luckily helped you because you're getting into this wetsuit, you're getting into the dry suit, you're putting on these gloves that make your hands look like lobster hands, like they separate Mm -hmm. your fingers so they're kind of warmer. And once you got all that stuff on, um, you're really, you're in. So you do need the assistance. Um, And then, yeah, you walk. We walked out to the fisher and so you're like walking, (laughs) waddling out with all this gear on. Which, to be honest, is like one of the hardest parts for me is getting in and out. I, I have mm-hmm. a bit of a sore lower back, so sometimes I find the with the you know having the tanks on and and the belt and everything, my lower back is like oh oh yeah. <laughs> Especially afterwards, and you're walking back, and, and they try to help you, and I was oh my god, I was just walking mm-hmm. like a, it's like a zombie. I was like oh. But yeah, they they support you to get there, and then um, and then yeah, it was just three of us, so it was good. We all did our our buoyancy test, and and then we went off, and yeah. that's a good social distancing activity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't have giant groups of people, and you're out there in just small group, and and the cost. I mean, you're getting a lot of one on one attention. Um, you're even having a photographer, how much did it cost and for how many dives? So it was two dives. Uh, the first dive was probably about, and that's dependent on how you guys are going. I think our first dive was about 32 minutes and our next dive was about 20 something minutes. Cause I think the first dive took a little, um, took a little longer to settle in and stuff. Whereas the second mm-hmm. dive, um, you, you know, sort of go through a little bit quicker uh, but mm-hmm. pretty much the same route on both dives, which was good because you get to, you know, like to be fair, it's not a lot of routes, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it was good to just kind of go back and see what you hadn't seen. But um, now I'm going to do the conversion because I think, I think it was about 500 Australian dollars, which is about 350 US dollars for the two dives. Okay. And that, no, you know, look, really not bad for a oh, bucket list dive. It felt like a lot because I guess we were doing a lot on that trip. And obviously it's not 
for us, it was like the flights to Iceland, the accommodation, the car rental, the, so we were probably adding all those things up. But when we stopped right. and, and took, you know, looked back and went, oh, wait a minute, $500 for two dives, that's including, I mean, $350 US, but um, that's, they picked us up from the hotel. They took us there. You know, they, yes, like you said, fully almost one-on-one attention, photos, um, usually it's a photo package and uh, they were very, very generous. And um, yeah, I was writing an article, so they did give me the photos, which was very generous. Um, yeah. We did buy a T-shirt. <laughs> we went to the shop and bought a T-shirt. <laughs> but, um, you know, souvenir. But, um, yeah, then the two dives and snacks and then driving you back to your hotel. So, I mean, that's that's a lot. I mean, in here, just for a dive down, we live – near the water just to, to do a dive at the broad water it can be 130 dollars you know right. australian dollars right. so like 90 us dollars and that's just kind of your standard ocean dive so to do something really spectacular like that yeah it's not bad mm-hmm. not bad at all no that's not bad at all and and then how long did you stay in iceland for we did a really short trip so we were like three and a half days um, but uh-huh. we made a really nice itinerary. Um, I was really happy with what we did. So we flew in, um, and that first day we went to the Blue Lagoon. Which oh, is, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's the famous um, hot pools, sort of right. natural hot springs with the yes. white clay. Um, and it, it's, it's beautiful. And some people are like, oh, you know, it's so popular and touristy. And you're like, well for a reason <laughs> you know they yeah I mean, it is beautiful they've done a good job and it's kind of like set up like a spa type you, you go in and you put your give you a nice towel on and all that stuff and they give you a drink you have a drink included and you know just to preface that nothing in Iceland is cheap so but in saying mm. that we just come from New York as well and um, London and you know they're not cheap either like going out for a meal is not necessarily very cheap so people go on about how Iceland's expensive well we did a bus tour for a whole day on our last day and I think we paid about I'd say 60 US like it was 80 like 55 US it was was $80 $90 and it was the whole day and it took us around the golden it's called the golden circle so they go to Mm -hmm. um, these like waterfalls you go to the Silver National Park um, you get to see where parliament was first held and um yeah it's beautiful beautiful sites and mm-hmm. I was like that's that's not bad um no. the car rental wasn't terrible um it's the accommodation isn't cheap but we had Airbnb and I mean it wasn't it still wasn't terrible like you were able to find something in within the budget um mm-hmm. there's an app called happy hour happy hour no it's got another name it's like a happy hour app um mm-hmm. oh happy hour <laughs> ah. happy hour take off the h happy hour that's an app for happy hours and so basically every but it's not like happy hour it's like happy six hours <laughs> like, oh. and all these bars are listed and so you just go like one might be like six to eight and one might be eight to twelve and one might be seven to nine and so it just basically brought the beer down to normal price so instead of paying 20 oh well I'd say 15 dollars US for a beer you were paying 7 US dollars for a beer which in Australia that's kind of for a pint that's kind of standard 
um, is kind of expensive. So we, again, I think you just you gotta you might need to dig around a little. But you know, mm-hmm. of course, if you walk into the first restaurant you see, um, you might find it a bit pricey. Uh, right. But, and when talking about costs for the silver dive, uh, did that include? Uh, like a rental dry suit? Did you need to bring a dry suit? How how did that work out? Oh no, everything was included. All the all the gear was included. So that is impressive. Yeah. That's very impressive. Um, I mean, dry suits are not cheap. No, I mean maybe a cheap dry suit is like eight hundred dollars. Oh yeah. Um, but that that's that's pretty cool. So include your reg, everything. Did you need to bring any gear? No, no, we bought, we took our own masks, um, you know, mask and snorkel, but we, yeah, yeah, we didn't take our own fins or anything. I think we just took our mask and snorkel and that was it. Um, like Matt's got a bunch of gear. I don't, I don't have gear, but you know, this, this, our wetsuit wouldn't have been appropriate anyway. So No. no, they gave us everything. Like they assume, you know, like I said, there were people, the people who, two, two of the people on our trip. Um, were from New Zealand so they had mm-hmm. nothing with them so the day before mm-hmm. they'd done their dry suit course and then the day after they did the sulfur so you know yeah you don't, you and, don't do and for our listeners out there if you plan on doing a dry suit course um, at your own home or wherever you live and you've got a nearby dive shop most of them will require for you to have your own dry suit um, to do the course so uh, it may be beneficial to go there and do the dry suit and be able to use a rental um, because oh, yeah. it's not a common thing for dive shops just to rent out. Oh, in Australia, um, ours did, like the one we did. Oh, I don't really? know if we paid. Yeah, I don't know if we paid extra for that or whatever. But yeah, I mean, maybe because in where you live, it is cold. <laughs> yeah, where we live, there's not a lot of dry suit diving. <laughs> like down south, yeah, yeah, there yeah. is in Tasmania and maybe at the bottom yeah. of Western Australia, but, um, you know, even for us, it was a little warm on the day. Uh, <laughs> so okay, okay, so yeah. for us, they were included. I can't, I okay, cannot remember the cost of the course, but. Right. Well, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Here in Oregon, you have to supply your own dry suit. Yeah. Um, at many that's places. a pricey start. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. Um, and, and so just curious, who did you actually go through? Um, who'd you book your, your silver expedition? Yeah, we went through a company called Dive Is. So it's like dive.is. Um, Uh and yeah, like I said, my, my partner just did the research and looked into a few different ones. And, um, there are a couple of different companies operating down there, but they just seem to be like the ones he felt quite comfortable with them. I think we even emailed them a couple, like back and forth a few times, asking some questions about it, and they they were helpful. And um, we had to, I think we had to provide, we had to fill in like a form or maybe provide some ID or something like that, kind of before we did it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they take it quite seriously. We probably had to put in our certification and stuff, and like how many dives we'd done. Um, but yeah, look, and the thing to say as well is that if you're not comfortable doing the dive or you're like not willing to do the dry suit course and all that sort of stuff, you can still experience Silfra because they have snorkeling. So people, while we were diving, were snorkeling along the top. 
So now, do you think they could have seen the continental plates? Like, do you think it would have been a good experience for the snorkelers? Yeah, I know. Actually, my our my in laws <laughs> they totally copied yeah. us and like went the year after. Basically, copied our entire trip. Um, oh, I love it. Uh, but they were, yeah, they ended up staying longer in Iceland, of course, and like seeing more than us. So we're like, okay, fine. But they went to Silfra and um, I think, I don't think they, did they both do it or just his dad, but he did the snorkeling. Yeah. And then I have a couple of friends who'd been before me and they had done the snorkeling and said it was phenomenal. Like if you haven't, if you haven't done the dive, like I couldn't, I couldn't go and do the snorkel now because it just, you know, for me, it was probably one, like a once in a lifetime thing yeah. because there's lots of other things to do in Iceland and other places. So I don't, you know, it's not that I didn't love it. It's just that there's other things to do, but yeah, I think it would be difficult going in snorkeling now because I'd be like, but there's so much more, <laughs> but, <laughs> but because it's so clear, they would have seen a lot. They would have seen uh-huh. a lot. So, uh, no, and that was popular. There were a lot more people doing that, maybe like 10 or 20 in the group. Um, uh-huh. And they broke them up again, but, and then they sort of went along in a chain. But, oh, it's very, very popular. And as far as preparing for the dive, um, do you have any tips for our listeners on maybe what to bring or how to prepare mentally? Uh, yeah mentally don't have a cold before we go (laughs) add to your stress um you know um yeah like it is cold but you're dressed appropriately like just think about like when you go to this if you've ever been to the snow it's the same thing Mm -hmm. if you've been to the mountains like when you dress appropriately it's not that bad um you know obviously after a little while it starts you start to feel it but um it's totally bearable it's that initial shock, like like when you jump in the pool, you know, it's that initial like, oh, okay, and then um, you sort of adjust. Uh, make sure you have the snacks. Make sure you get some some snacks for after. Like you may not feel like eating but like a lot before, but make sure you have some snacks for after because you will be hungry. Maybe plan your meal for after. Like we were fortunate we, we didn't go too far from our um, Airbnb and found like a place and we had a beautiful sort of traditional Icelandic stew that was like a lamb stew and so that was perfect to have like a hot soup and I like I said before we were there in summer and there were days like summer is still cold um we yeah. were wearing long pants and coats like I the, the least I wore was long pants and a t-shirt you know um it's mm-hmm. cold and so and you're just wiped after. So really, don't plan anything that day. So my my brother had been to Iceland too, and he's like, and you can go to the museum, and you can go here, and you can go there. And I was like, <laughs> man, I just I didn't even have the bandwidth and like you know to think about it. But I just kind of knew as well that diving does take it out of me. So and then the cold doubly takes it out of you. So we went home and just like we napped for the afternoon and needed to do that so and then just make sure you pack for Iceland in general thermals um thermal like for underneath your clothes because you will be cold and um you know I was wearing hiking pants and it's it's not enough so wearing thermals we took our thermals and I I need to do that so having like beanie and gloves and and thermals will will help for getting around anyway but certainly after the dive you want to be as rugged up and warm as possible yeah 
Well, these are some great tips. And also, did you notice a tipping culture while you were over there? No, no. Um, no. <laughs> we didn't okay. we didn't tip we it's just an American thing for me to ask right yeah no but no but it, it is a thing and um you know I like got, got into some heated conversations recently in Mexico about it because I <laughs> I from my understanding and from my many visits and living in Mexico it wasn't a thing but because of a lot of American visitors it has become so but then there's other like uh -huh. you have to it is important to ask because like this place is like nepal or india would they actually sort of sometimes ask you not to because they uh -huh. don't want to create that but if you're there are certain settings where if you were in a group tour they'll be like okay we'll tell you how much you need to give that's the appropriate right. amount and we'll do it like handed over and but no i don't think we tipped and <laughs> i certainly wasn't yeah. in the mood to tip after paying you know <laughs> Like I, oh, I, I had one rest meal. We had the most amazing hot dogs. There's this famous hot dog place. People uh -huh. line up for these hot dogs. Like even there's, they've got a photo of Bill Clinton getting a hot dog there. Really? Yeah. <laughs> They're just little. And even you can get them from the, it's this thing, from the service stations or from like the gas stations. Um, hot dogs are just this thing that they love having in Iceland, but this one place is famous for it. So you, and you're, you're cold and you're standing outside lining up this little hut for a hot dog. <laughs> like, okay, we'll do it. But uh, they, that was a really tasty meal. And then I went and had these fish and chips. Uh, Cause I was like, you know, we need the ocean. You should have fish and chips. And they were not good. And it was like oh. 25 bucks us. And I was like, seriously, Oh, for that. so I definitely was not in the mood for tipping after that right yeah but it's it. it's just not a thing really I didn't notice it so yeah so uh anything else you'd like to add about uh diving or snorkeling Silfra? oh it's just it's incredible like it really the photos that we have from it um you know that they take me right back it's the colors. I've never seen anything like it. I do have to point out, there's a bit of a, to ruin the magic of it a little bit, but um, so <laughs> you're diving and there's a famous, there's a photo and you'll probably use it, it of you, you're touching the continental plates. Uh, yeah. So you got your arms apart and it looks like you're about like one and a half meters. Actually, it's kind of perfect for social distancing, but Actually, that's that's uh, just a representation. The the continental plates can be up to four kilometers wide, so you're between them, but they're they're still kind of far apart. So you're in the middle. Oh. So the fissure is narrow, and the fissure uh -huh. it is narrow, but the continental plates are still um, a little distance apart. So that's yeah <laughs> I didn't know that there you go so it's um but it is the pla only place that you can get between them so it's that's still right. that's still true they're just not almost touching each other like you think they are we'd probably be up for an earthquake <laughs> if they were um, yeah <laughs> so but it's it's pretty funny you're like okay well I'll do it anyway and so you got this photo <laughs> and if anybody asks they're like oh well yes of course I'm touching both continents yeah <laughs> symbolic very symbolic okay well we're gonna use the photo but for those of you who've listened <laughs> you know you know there you go um uh, so I'm just curious, where to next when 
the world calms down. Oh, well, that's, you know, it's funny you said before, like, yeah, I've set this mission for myself in July last year. I've got, I've got 137 countries left to visit um, to reach uh-huh. my goal, which I had broken down to be about 20 countries a year. I said I want to do it by the time I'm 40. Um, I'm currently uh-huh. 32. So um, I gave myself about 20 countries a year. And when you go into a place like Europe, that's very, I mean, you could do 11 countries in 30 days easily. Right. Easily. Right. Um, I could probably do 30 countries in 30 days if I wanted to, but I would be very tired. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We went to Belize, um, uh, just before we really wanted to do a dive there, but, uh, we just would have had to use up a whole day actually. So that's definitely going back on the bucket list, get back to Belize and do the blue hole. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we just were, we were on Kai Kolka and did a snorkel, which was amazing. But so it was really nice. I guess I was very fortunate to have that in at the start of March. So I had my little travel dose, but yeah, next on the list, I don't know. I, I really kind of, this is just maybe want to visit family. So I want to get back mm-hmm. to the UK or to the US and see my cousin. And then, oh, I don't know. We actually really want to go diving in Papua New Guinea. And because of the way the world is at the moment, it might be the case that we are doing more local travel. So Papua New Guinea is only three hours from us. Okay. Uh, by flight, it's an island in the South Pacific. A very yeah, interesting a good friend of mine drove there last year. Oh. Um, I'll have to connect you. Oh, absolutely stunning! Like we flew over it, and are just absolutely breathtaking. So beautiful country. I'd love to get back again. I went there for hiking. Uh, but uh-huh. oh, I sorry, I've forgotten the actually the next one on our list is shark diving, cage diving in Adelaide. Oh, where? Yeah, down in oh, Port Lincoln. Cool. Yeah, so because of the whole domestic travel thing, um, they're trying to really encourage that. Well, we've pushed yeah. that trip back a few years because we've had overseas travel to do. And so it's like, well, since we're going to have to be at home a lot this year, why don't we uh, go do the cage dive down there? So, yeah, is it Great White? Yeah, yeah, it's a place yeah. called Port Lincoln. And uh-huh. you can either do the one day trip. Or you can do uh, like a three to four day or a five day, you know, live aboard. And uh, that's with the drop cage. So we actually yeah. are looking more at that one um, so that we could do the, be in the drop cage, which means I have to do my advance before I go. So, yeah, I did a live aboard with a drop cage, um, but off of Guadalupe, yes. Mexico. I heard that. <laughs> yeah. And that was great. Yeah. Yeah, so fingers crossed. Are they a little chumming there? I don't know. I was listening to that on that podcast and I wondered because, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, um, it would be very interesting to find out. Yeah, well, I will certainly report back. And my husband's colleague used to actually do some work on the boat, so she's kind of got an in for us with the company, mm-hmm. so we'll probably go with that one. But. Um, the, the funny thing and the ironic thing about my husband being a diver is that he also gets seasick. So um, uh-huh. pretty awful seasickness. So he's just not sure if he wants to do the three or four day one or whether he wants to do um, the one day one because that um, crossing uh-huh. is pretty, pretty intense. Okay. Okay. So yeah, we'll we'll see. I, I'm up for yeah. it. I'm kind of like, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of like, well, if you're going to go do it, you know, you do it properly. Um, right <laughs> but if he's going to be sick the whole time I'm, I don't really fancy paying thousands of dollars to watch him throw up 
no. You know, as well as having him feel terrible, that would be quite bad. Right, right. Totally. <laughs> so, totally. But I will report back. I'll let you know what we end up doing. So, please, I can't wait to hear. Um, well, everybody listening, please go check out the lovely Travels podcast, and we'd love to have you back on the show and talk about some really cool new experiences around the world. Thank you, Gail. And I, I'm going to have to get you onto my podcast. We'd have to be, we'll be podcast buddies. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, well, you just say the date and I will be there. Awesome. Uh, thank you again uh, for sharing your experience and until the next adventure. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Experiences You Should Have podcast. Uh, If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and uh, and please tell someone about the show. I know it's a travel show and now's the time to start planning. Uh, Maybe these are big trips you're going to do in two years or three years, but now's the time you can start saving or getting those certifications or that dry suit certification and now's a great time to be in planning mode doing what you can do at home so you can go do those cool things around the world um so please uh, follow us on instagram experiences podcast and check out the show notes on experiences that you should have.com and also again please check out emma's podcast lovely travels podcast and her site is lovely travels.com uh so Until the next adventure.